Hey, I gotta get set. I'm a little nervous still. I'm always nervous. Yeah, absolutely. You got thousands of people watching you. <laughs> <laughs> and this is gonna go all over the world. <laughs> There's hey, people in China that you met that will I sit know. there and go, Wow, he's on TV. Amen. To it's that. really not TV, but it's kinda like I TV. believe that though. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that. I'll receive that for Amen. sure. Amen. What is up, everybody? This is Jeremy with No Holds, and I have a very, very special guest today. He is uh, someone who is very dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, he's been there through, man, every single one of my struggles here. Uh, man, I, I, there's so much I can just I can say about him, but, man, I, I can go on and on. It'd be the whole podcast, pretty much. <laughs> but, um, man, he is my spiritual leader. He is my pastor, Pastor Todd DeLay, man. It's so I'm so honored, you know, so blessed that you are able to join this podcast i appreciate you man. dude i am more blessed man just to be able to sit here and uh, spend time with you and to know what you've been through and um and having the honor to be there with you through some of that and um to see how much you've overcome mm. and um to know the future too and how bright it is for you and man you guys that are listening to this podcast or even watching um, we're in the presence of a true champion and a true champion is somebody that can overcome Somebody that faces obstacles, faces problems, and doesn't give up. And that's one thing that I love so much about Jeremy is that he's had many opportunities to give up, and I, I know you guys know that. But um, he's held true to his faith. He's held true to um, what God's called him to do. And um, I'm honored and privileged to be able to sit here with you and I'm excited about what this podcast holds. Man, it's going to be awesome. Oh, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous <laughs> you and me both <laughs> nervous very nervous but uh what i like to start off doing is i ask a couple questions pretty much just quick answers sure um favorite color favorite color black black yeah oh wow i mean i like black on black corvettes black on black anything gm ford no but gm absolutely man because you know i truly believe on the eighth day god you know created the corvette Oh, yeah. And uh, when he created it, it was black on black. It was, uh, you know, Z06, 700 horse. You know, he Ooh, knew what he was man. doing. Yeah, man, he knew what he was doing. Oh, he yeah. had to rest on the seventh day because he knew the eighth day that was coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no, no, I really, I love black. I love the, and I know a lot of people, the religious people say, well, black means sin. And it, it, it's just the color I like. Yeah. It's, oh, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it has no meaning to me yeah. at all, no oh, spiritual yeah. meaning. I just like the color black. Hey, so. you and me both. Uh, for some reason, I would think you would like blue because of your favorite team. So yes, who is your favorite you know, NFL so I'm team? I'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> because, you know, my Cowboys, Lord help them right now. Um, but, yes, of course, I love the blue. Um, I bleed blue. I like the color black, but I bleed blue because I am a Cowboys fan, always will be. They're not doing good right now, but um, they're still America's team. Just wanted y'all to know that. And um, But, yeah, we're believing God is going to do some great things, especially when we play Philly again. Um, I believe we got the oh, victory. Man. I'm going to be singing, you know, I've got the victory, you know, kind of thing. I had to just throw that in, you know, I know, since, I know. You know uh, since you're a, you know, a Philly fan and we're praying for you all the time. <laughs> As much as people are praying for the Cowboys. So. Okay. You know, whenever I think of the Cowboys, you know, I see the star as a falling star. As oh, wow. Okay, you man. Know? I see this. Dude, <laughs> no. I see this as a star David, baby. That's where the, that's where the shepherds went to. <laughs> where Jesus was at. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, man. I'm just kidding. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, favorite book? 
Favorite book. I mean, obviously, I'm a pastor. I'm going to say, and I don't mean this religiously, but obviously, the Bible is my favorite book. Um, and then um, Brother Hagen's book on Believer's Authority, mm. um, Kenneth E. Hagen. Um, that book altered my life. Um, and I remember reading it for the first time when I was in Bible school and understanding my authority in Christ, yeah. understanding that um, God's given me power, His power to rule and reign in life, and that the obstacles that I face, all the different things that um, I come across in just this life journey, God's given me the power to overcome it. And when I got that revelation from that book, and then of course the Holy Spirit teaching me and leading me, I, I be able to, I was able to face things differently, knowing that I'm not um, on the defeated side; I'm on the victory side of oh, it yeah. already. And so naturally, that's what you know. I believe God's created me just that natural ability to encourage people, um, because I love seeing people get the victory in things, um, and it really mm-hmm. came from learning. Uh, not only who I am in Christ, but the authority that God's given me. And um, just a little testimony, um, I had the honor several years ago of uh, ministering in Egypt, and um, in, Ca- in Cairo, and there's some Bible schools there, and the Egyptian Christians are just so hungry for the Word of God, and I'll never forget, I had the honor of teaching that class, that course that I taught, or that I was taught in Bible school, and to see that book in Arabic, mm. and, um, and to see the students receive that same revelation that I got, it's just it's so profound how the Holy Spirit moves, regardless of what country you're in. Yeah. When there's hunger heart, hungry hearts, man, I'm telling you, man, God moves powerfully. Oh, yeah. It's man, awesome. I, I believe that. This dude, he's got so many stories. I'm telling you, man. You, y'all, <laughs> y'all get ready for this podcast because it's going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite food? Favorite food. Man, I love my wife's chicken enchiladas. <laughs> she is not Hispanic by any means. She is a gringo. She's white, but she makes the best chicken enchiladas. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I married her. Um, we were dating, and um, after church one, one service, she invited me and some other friends over to her apartment, and she said, I'm going to cook lunch for everybody. And as soon as my fork went through that chicken enchilada and it started going towards my mouth, I heard the Lord say, this is your wife. And then it went, that chicken enchilada went into my mouth, and I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. There you go. So the rest is it. But chicken enchilada is my favorite. And, of course, you can't go wrong with pizza. Oh, man, no. I mean, you can go pizza in the morning, at lunch, at yeah. dinner, at midnight. It don't matter. You can just eat pizza yep. anytime. Yep. Oh, yeah. Same here. Man, I love pizza. Dang it. I'm getting hungry. I know, dude. Why'd you do that? <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Um, the best advice you've ever received. The best advice I ever received. Um, my dad um, gave me the best advice. Um, I'll never forget whenever my oldest son, Ben, was born. Um, me and my wife, we were real young, like, you know, 20, 21 years old. And um, I was like freaking out, you know, like most dads do for the first child. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, I was there when um, Ben was delivered and um, they were cleaning him up and all that, putting him in the in the little uh, bat, bassinet um, thing. And then went over there to Daphne and was talking with her. Just, you know, we were just both kind of crying about the whole process. You know, it's just amazing. God's so good. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it got, the whole birthing process is a God thing. Okay. And um, I remember going out. <clears throat> and they wheeled Ben in front of the, the mirror there, that, that uh, glass there. And, um, and, my, and I looked at my dad and said, Dad, what in the world am I going to do? You know, I've got a son. What am I going to do? And he told me this. He said, Todd, teach him how to be a man of his word. Mm. And, um, and I've 
held that um, throughout my life because whether you're in ministry or whether you're in the secular world, what people need the most, um, however, whatever your age is or whatever generation you're in, is we need people to be men and women of their word. Um, and so I, I've endeavored to teach my kids that. I've endeavored as a minister to hold that truth to my own life. Because mm-hmm. you can preach a good message. Yeah. You, can, you can say a lot of good things, but if you don't have a good reputation, you're really not, you're really not where you need to be. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that's the greatest advice is my dad told me, just be a man of your word. Man, that's – and you've done an awesome job at it. Oh, uh, yeah. You have. I'm just, still I mean, learning. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with Pastor Ben, of course, you know, and Chris. Yeah. Like, you, you've done an amazing job. Oh, thank you. Um, it's my wife. She did it all. I just was there. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can tell her I said that, too. I'm just saying. No, I'm <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll tell her. She'll know. Yeah, She'll good, good, out. good. The worst advice you've ever received? Um, the worst advice I ever received. I try not to remember those, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think one of the worst advice I ever received is it's okay to quit. And I... Um, I I don't think it's okay to quit. I think obviously it's always good to evaluate where you're at, mm-hmm. and because um, I don't look at quitting as something that um, that's an option for me. I look at it. I'm just going to adjust. Yeah. Um, there might be a situation that I've, I've I've faced in life to where it seems like there's no way out, and I've got to do something different. I never look at it like um, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to make an adjustment and get better. Mm. So when I have somebody tell me, you just need to quit that, I'm like, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to make an adjustment and make things better. Yeah, that's good. Um, God didn't create us to quit. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus never quit quit on us. God's never quit on us. Um, Believers aren't quitters. We're winners. There we go. There you go. Some good wisdom right there, guys. Good wisdom. Um, If you can go back and talk to your teenage self, what advice would you give them? Man. Wow, my teenage years weren't the best years. Um, I wasn't living for the Lord at that time. I, I grew up in church, um, and I knew God on a personal level. I was born again at the age of five, um, so I knew God. I knew Jesus as my personal Savior, but I got hurt by the church. Mm. And um, I had a youth pastor that was like I was really close to him, um, and he he got before the youth group one time and, um, and he said, hey guys, I've resigned my position at the church. I'm gonna be starting another church in another community miles from here and I um, just wanted to let you guys know. And two weeks later, we didn't have a youth pastor. And then just on top of that, you know, the whole peer pressure thing oh, and all yeah. the bullying and all that kind of stuff just pulled me away from church. And I also, I saw the hypocrisy in church and all of that. And I just didn't really want anything to do with that. So I think I went through that time in my teenage years. Um, I wish I would have responded differently to what happened with my youth pastor, mm-hmm. and uh, I wish I didn't got. I wish I wasn't offended. Yeah. Um, I wish I I would have handled it differently because I could have done my high school years. I could have I could have responded to things a whole lot better than than me just being offended, getting mad, and. Um, Turning, turning away from God for that time. Yeah, yeah. So if I was to look back, if I was to change, if I would go back to my freshman year in high school or something like that, mm-hmm. um, I'd be sold out for Christ. Mm. Um, I wouldn't live a compromised life. Yes, um, I wouldn't, you know, try to be the the popular person. I wouldn't try to be, you know, the guy that because I love sports and I love doing all of that. I wouldn't always try to be the guy that 
you know, made all the touchdowns, did all that kind of stuff. Sure, I love to win, don't get me wrong, but that wasn't – I wouldn't allow that to be the main priority in my life. Yeah. Um, my priority, obviously, as a believer, would, would uh, represent Jesus well um, through my through the years that I was in high school. Okay. So if I was to go back, that's what I would change, absolutely. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, would you rather be loved or feared, and why? Um, I would rather be loved. Um you know, obviously, from a scriptural point of view, God is love. Mm-hmm. So if if I want um, to to share something, I want to obviously I want to share God's love. Um, perfect love casts out fear. That's what the Bible says. So for me to be feared in the sense that um, um, I'm scared of Him, then obviously I don't want that. Now there's a fear that's a respect, obviously, and we we want all of us want to be respected. That's not that's not even a question, but I think we can't demand respect. Yeah, in a sense, obviously, I mean, love is what's going to generate respect. Yes, sir. And the more that you love somebody, the more that you share God's love with somebody, it casts out that fear, and then it's easy to respect somebody that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I say this a lot um, to people. More one-on-one. I don't necessarily say this from the pulpit unless the Lord leads me. But um, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say you're to trust people. I know that's kind of a heavy revy, but I mean, I've looked at it. And please, you know, email me, text me if you find that in the Bible. But um, we're to trust God. There's always going to be an element of love, obviously, and trust. Mm-hmm. But um, I choose to love you uh, because that's a commandment of God. But not only do I choose to love you, but I, I make the effort to trust you. Now, if I'm afraid of you and I have a lack of respect for you, then obviously there's going to be trust issues there. Yeah. yeah. But when it's God's love and perfect love casts out fear, it's easy for me to love you and trust you regardless of what you've done for me. Because God's love is what causes me to love you regardless of your faults, regardless of what you've done. Mm. Um, and God protects my heart because yeah. I know that I take a chance whenever I trust somebody. But then God's love is always there to protect me, even when somebody fails, even when somebody turns their back on me or somebody mm-hmm. you know, does something that I don't like. I'm still going to love them anyways yeah. because it's that perfect love that casts out fear. Yeah, man, that's, that's good. Amen. <laughs> that's real good. Amen. I like that. Uh, today, man, we just want to know who Pastor Todd is. Who pa- <laughs> um, I know, I know you've kind of in some of your sermons and messages and stuff at uh, at the church. You uh, you kind of go back and you'll talk a little bit about your past. But uh, and I may know some of it, and I, I may still ask questions on sure. it. Sure. But yeah, I know if people have asked me like, "Man, why aren't you doing a Pastor Todd?" It's like, no, I, I want to. I do. Um, when the time comes, I will. Right. And. Um, it's like, I, just, I, I want to know more about Pastor Todd. I want to know his, his full testimony. Amen. And uh, so, man, I'm, I'm excited. Okay, cool. I really am. I, um, I, I, man, how do I even begin? Um, I grew up in, a, in an amazing godly home. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and dad um, grew up in denominational churches. Um, and whenever I was at that age of five, my mom went to a revival meeting in Lubbock, Texas. And it altered her life. And um, it was more than just a church service. God was moving in a, pro- a powerful way in those services. And um, she, she really got touched by God. She came home that night, and I remember I was in, in the living room floor, and my dad was sitting in his, um, in his lazy boy chair drinking a beer. Mm. And um, my mom walked, walked by, didn't even say anything to my dad. And my dad kind of sat up 
and looked at my mom and said, what in the world happened to you? And um, my mom turned around and looked at him and said, you know, Gary, God has changed my life. I had an, an encounter with God. And my dad put the beer down and said, Jan, whatever it is, I want what you got. Wow. And um, so that next service, uh, my dad was there and he, he got really, um, you know, touched by God too. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, my whole life was church. Yeah. Lived, breathed church. I mean, it was like, it was not even a question if we we're going to go to church or not. It was because my mom and dad got radically changed by God at church. So me and my little brother, we grew up at church, went through all the services, grew up in elementary, junior high, high school. I mean, I remember even at a young age uh, serving in children's ministry mm. um, with my mom. So I, I served in children's ministry at the age of like 10, 11 years old with my mom. I went to Christian school. Um you know, Trinity Schools in Lubbock. I was one of the first um, people that, students that went to to that school. And um, so at the age, well, I guess in eighth grade, I went to Cooper High School in Lubbock. Love you know, Cooper. Love them oh, Cooper yeah. Pirates. Cooper Pirates. I'm in trouble now. I got a lot of <laughs> Indians out there saying, do what? Um, but grew up there. And um, I, I really believe when I left Christian school, um, God had told me to go to Cooper High School obviously to play sports and all of that because the Christian school that I was at Trinity at that time didn't have sports. Mm. They were just starting flag football. And um, and one of the things that the Lord had told me is that I want you to go to Cooper High School and, and be an evangelist, be like John the Baptist kind of thing is what he told me at that young age. Well, as soon as I started going to school, I wasn't prepared um, for just the secular world at all. Oh, yeah. And it was such a huge transition for me. And then on top of, like I said earlier, my youth pastor, um, he didn't do anything wrong. He just changed positions, and I got offended. Mm-hmm. And so with the peer pressure and all that stuff and sports and just the school, that's whenever I started just you know partying and doing stuff that I knew better. How, uh, sorry, how, no. uh, how different was it from going to a Christian school to like a uh, um, public school, I guess? Public school. I, I think it's the first time I ever heard a cuss word is at mm. public school. I mean, that's how sheltered my life was i never heard a cuss word i never knew some of the terminology that that the public schools have that christian schools don't have oh yeah um without going into details a lot of you guys know what i mean by that and then plus the whole locker room talk Mm. was not prepared for that um so when i walked into it i was in a huge culture shock yeah um my relationship with god was strong but i i fell to um to the whole temptation of the world and just the, the constant bullying kind of mm. situation, you know, you're a Christian, you're a wimp kind of thing like that. So I wanted to prove my worth. Yeah. Um, and that's whenever things just went worse and worse in that, um, in that, that, that season of my life. Mm. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget, went through my high school years, just not living for the Lord, knew God. I remember sitting playing basketball and um, I'd be on the free throw line. My free throw average in high school was like 20%. I was the first hack a shack, you know. I wouldn't even shack, you know. They they would hack on me just because I couldn't make my free throws. And, um, so whenever I saw hack a shack back in the day, I'm like, I can relate to you, dude. They did it to me all in high school yeah. um, because I couldn't make my free throws. But I would sit there, even though I wasn't living for the Lord, I knew enough to pray. So mm. I would sit there and pray um, at the free throw line. God, please, just I, I promise I'll be a good boy. <laughs> Let me make this free throw. You know, I'm tired of getting hacked. You know, kind of thing. And of course, I keep missing it. It wasn't because God didn't love me or anything. It's just I just wasn't living for the Lord. 
And um, and I met, but I had that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I still knew God, but I knew that I wasn't living for God. Yeah. And so I was that lukewarm Christian um, for many years during my high school years and then t- into my first year of college. And um, I'll never forget, um, I, I started getting into fights, started getting, um, I had an anger issue. Um, mm-hmm. And it was some, some from my relationship with my dad at that time. Um, my dad was a perfectionist. Um, I never matched up to what he, uh, his standards were. Yeah. Um, and so that was difficult, too. So I finally just gave up and just rebelled because yeah. I got tired of trying to please him. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, sorry. No, <laughs> Tom, go ahead. Man, like during that time, you said that your dad is a perfectionist and you really couldn't meet up to his standards. Like, say, when it came to sports, how was he on you on that? You know, it's interesting. With sports, he wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was school. It was, um, you know, my relationships with people, yeah. um, things like that. With sports, because he played sports. So he was more of an encouragement to me in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we always had a connection with. Um, but everything else, just with my school, with um, my lack of enthusiasm for church, all of that, my relationship with God, all that, he just really kind of came down on me pretty hard no, on that. Man. And unintentionally, I mean, now that my dad is you know, amazing, we had the best relationship now than we've ever had. Yeah. But at that time, you know, I, now that I have kids and I have grandkids now, I, I, I understand where he's come from. Mm. You know, we want so much for our kids, um, even when you're in your 30s and stuff, yeah. and you have kids that are young. You want the best for them, and sometimes you you um, overdo it mm-hmm. unintentionally. And I know that that's what my dad did unintentionally. He wanted the best for me. Um, but at that time, it just, to me, it didn't seem good enough. I wasn't good enough. Yes, sir. So that's when I just, I just rebelled and said, I'm just doing it myself. You know, yeah. I don't I care what he thinks anymore kind of thing. Did you also think about, like, say, your, uh, your walk with Christ? Did you, did you also be like, man, like, I'm just not good enough? Not yeah, I, like, I did. Because my, my relationship with God was connected to my relationship with, with my dad. Yeah. And so because I couldn't please him, then I naturally didn't feel like I could please God. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just turned and just said, I'm just live for myself. You know, I, I, I don't want this this God up in heaven striking me down with a lightning bolt every time I mess up. So yeah. why even try? And so I just I just I did for those several years. I lived that way. I just lived and I just lived for myself. Didn't really care what people thought. Yeah. Um, and just I mean, I was just I was, you know, really in a bad place. Mm. Um, I was introduced to drugs um, and didn't get into the heavier drugs because I had enough God in me know, to know, don't do that yeah. kind of thing. It was more of a fear of that than anything else. Um, I was six foot one and I got down to like 135 pounds and I was just like, I was oh, just, wow. in, it was just a bad time. And I remember I could take you to the, the apartment there in, um, in Lubbock. Um, there was one night that um, I just came off of about two or three weeks of just, just complete, just being intoxicated, just wasted. Mm. And I came down off of that, so I've been sober for about a week. And um, I remember my friends wanted me to go out to some bars that night, and I just, I didn't, I just, for some reason, I didn't want to go. And um, so I just stayed home at that apartment. And um, as I'm at the apartment, man, God filled that apartment. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. I just knew He was there. And um, literally, he, he showed me um, in prayer, what my life was going to end up being like. And I saw myself face down in a ditch. Mm. And I knew I was dead. And I knew that's where my life was headed. And it freaked me out. Yeah. One of those things, just like, oh my gosh. And then from that point on, I knew I got to get my life right. Um, I was going to different places, always watching my back because I had a lot of enemies. 
And uh, when you have a lot of enemies and you're always watching your back, it's misery. It's just yeah. total misery. Oh, yeah. You're just miserable all the time. And I was done with that. And I'll never forget, I fell on my knees in that apartment floor in my bedroom there. And um, I just cried out to God. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't live for myself anymore. Mm. And um, I just, I got to have you. I got to have peace back in my life. I'm not sleeping. I'm losing weight. The drugs are starting to be more of a temptation to me. Um, the alcohol and all of that is overwhelmed me now. I have to have it all the time. So yeah. I, I was at that 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 very dark place, and God God's love was there. Mm. Do you and mind um, um, you mind sharing like what kind of drugs you were on? Um, I did um, I did some speed. Mm. Um, they call it speed back then, and then of course marijuana was everywhere. I mean, yeah. guys guys were smoking that before we went out and played football. Oh yeah. I mean yeah. that was just that was just a common thing. So those are the main once I knew that you know cocaine and all that other stuff was always wherever all the party was at everybody was you know shooting up or you know you know sniffing it up and all mm -hmm. that I mean it was everywhere and of course in the 80s yeah that was huge in the 80s yeah I mean so, you know that's yeah. when you know Nancy Reagan came out and said say no to drugs and we laughed at that <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah say no to drugs whatever you kind of thing <laughs> you know and it was a good effort on her on their end to kind of because it was such an epidemic in our country mm -hmm. at that time so yeah that's kind of what did that have an impact on your brother? Um, yeah, and that's where me and my dad really got bad. It's because I started um, convincing my brother to start partying with me. Mm. And my dad just just went off about that. Because he kind of almost, he, he always prayed for me, but he, he stopped trying to convince me not to do it anymore. Yeah. But then whenever he saw my brother starting to go out with me, that's whenever it got really bad. Mm. Um, never physically, it got close a couple times. Uh, but never physically. But it was we were. In, he was a marine, so I mean, you know, marines have a way about themselves. And um, oh, yeah. and um, so there's several times he had gotten in my face about some things, and um, of course, man, that was such a dark time in my life. And I look back on that now, and and that's not even anything like me now. That's not even anything like me in my dad's relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm so grateful that God delivered me out of that. I'm so grateful that me and my dad had the best relationship. Mm -hmm. We're like best friends. Um, he still got his ways about him. I got, I know I got my ways about me, um, and that's always going to be there because we're different in that. But we could always find that happy ground, and he's always going to be my dad. Mm -hmm. Always will be his son. I got his DNA in me, so I mean it's just part of it. But yeah. um, I'm glad those days are over. God supernaturally saved me from that. And in fact, that night that I was in my apartment, um, when I rededicated my life to the Lord. In that moment, when I said Jesus come to my heart, the whole that whole addiction side of me for the drugs and alcohol left instantly. Mm. I had no yeah. desire for it, and so much so that um, we used to build pyramids of beer cans in our apartment. I know nobody out there has ever done that before, but you know, <laughs> it, let me just kind of share. We used to, and the higher it goes, the better drinker you are is what kind of one of those things. And uh, so we had a, a big pyramid in our living room. And I never really smelt the sourness of beer before. I never knew that was there. Mm. But the moment that I got saved, the moment I rededicated my life to the Lord, I smelt that sourness. And it made me kind of sick to my stomach. Yeah. And that's from that point on, I've never had the desire to drink, do drugs, or anything like that. Because it, it, the whole drinking associated me to that dark side of my life that I never wanted to ever have again. It was mm -hmm. just, and when I mean dark side, I'm not talking like Darth Vader or anything, but just that misery, that, that horrible side of life that I was just miserable. 
And so I just don't even want anything to do with that anymore after that. Oh, yeah, man. That, no, that's good. Uh, what, what about your friends? Like the friends you had, let's say, while you were on drugs, did you um, – was there any kind of change that they saw in you? Like, oh, maybe I don't want to hang out with him anymore because he doesn't want, he don't want to party with me anymore? Or Absolutely. Um, I had um, I had a couple of good friends um, that they respected my decision not to, that I wasn't going to party anymore. Then a couple good. of them made fun of me. And yeah. I could re- – that, that, that time – could really tell who my real friends were, mm, yeah. who respected my decision. Um, and then kind of found out a couple of them that respected my decision. Um, when we got into college, my freshman and sophomore year, um, they actually got saved. And wow. um, I'll never forget going to one of my good friend's house, their, their duplex in Lubbock. And where we would always go and party, I remember walking in there one time and they were at the, at the dining room table in their kitchen and they were reading the Bible together. And I was like blown away because I hadn't seen them since the last party I was at. Oh man! And then for me to walk in there and see those two, those three guys. um, In fact, one of them still in the ministry. He's a youth pastor, and um, and to see them sitting at the very table that we play quarters at, and all the different things that we've done at that kitchen table to see them opening up the Word of God and reading the Bible together, I was, you know, brought tears to my eyes. It's one of those amazing God moments. Nice. Um, because I, every one of those guys were raised in, in horrible situations. Mm. Their parents, well, except for one of them, one of them was, but two, the other two guys, they were raised in horrible home situations. They were beat. They were all kinds of stuff that was going on. Yeah. And for see God radically change them, and then to know that God had radically changed me, it's, it was a profound mm-hmm. moment you know, to walk in there and to see them. You know, reading the Word instead of playing quarters. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. That, yeah, that, that, that's a uh, – man – to hear that, you know, to hear that, you know, you do have, you did have friends that respected you. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a lot of times too, you, um, there are friends that even with me that whenever I had changed my life, of course, some of them didn't make fun of me, but I, sure. I did have some that respected me and, sure. and man, that made me respect them even more. And just like you said, it was like, okay, he's a true friend. Yeah. Like, even though he's still maybe in his ways. Sure. He's still like he he respects me, absolutely. You know, and and man, I always valued that in people that that respect. You know that that were, that had your back, pretty. Yeah, much, absolutely. You know? Respect is such a big thing, whether you're a Christian or whether you're in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it, for us as Christian to have respect, um, even in the world's eyes, the world's more apt to become believer a believer or to be saved whenever they can respect a Christian. Oh yeah. But if you're all preachy and you're acting holier than thou, you're actually gonna push people away. Oh yeah. Yes, but sir. if you if they if they respect who you are as a man or as a woman, they're more apt to become a believer because they see your lifestyle. Sure you make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We own our mistakes but we keep living for Jesus and they'll see that, they'll have respect for that and they'll want more of that. Yes, than us trying to go out there and preach and cast devils out of everybody and all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. No. That's not yeah. gonna be very productive. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what yeah. you said there. Yes, sir. Um at what age did you encounter God? Um, I was uh, 19 years old. 19 years old. 19 oh. years old. Um, and I was so looking forward to being 21 and being legal. And, um, and then God had a different ways about that, you know. But at the age of 19, I was almost, I was on my, see, it was in the summer of my 19, when I was 19 years old, and I was about to turn 20. Mm. And um, that's when God supernaturally, I was going to be a freshman at Texas Tech University and, um, uh, you know, wreck them. Um, had to oh, throw yeah. that in there. But anyways, um, and... Yeah, I was I was that age, and, and God, like I said, supernaturally just intervened in my life. And I'm so grateful. I look at my kids now, and even my grandkids, and to see how God has worked in their lives, and to see 
um, you know, my oldest son, you know, Ben, and then, of course, Chris working with me at the church, and my little baby girl, Emily, you know, she's doing praise and worship stuff in Tulsa and traveling and doing that, and then see my grandkids worshiping God and stuff. Mm. Dude, I'm telling you, from, from the time that I was not, if you were to tell me, I'd be sitting here with you at the age of 19, I'd be saying, y'all crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there ain't no yeah. possible way. You're crazy, man. Yeah. And being in Seminole, Texas, yeah, yes. y'all crazy, oh. man. Because I had dreams of being in a Metroplex, making all kinds of crazy money, driving the Lambos and all oh, that man. kind of stuff, yeah. you know. Oh, and yeah. Um, so, but yeah, here we are. I know, man. And and I even think about it, too, since the first time I met you guys at a football game, you yeah. know, and... and <laughs> I, like, yeah. I don't uh, know if you guys saw that on the camera the look on his face <laughs> uh, uh, that was a day to remember yeah it was and Dre's like I want you to come meet my pastors and it's like okay and, <laughs> and I remember I think I remember telling him like I don't want to go to church yeah. over there you know and even when I started going to church it was hard for me because it was different mm-hmm. different atmosphere for sure you know growing up as Catholic and then mm-hmm. going into this new uh non-denominational world mm-hmm. man the spirit just flows it's like man i don't want to come back over <laughs> not <here."> day different <laughs> yes. and and i i didn't like i i remember telling andrea like i don't want to go mm-hmm. and, or i would even lie to her and be like hey uh, i'm not gonna make it even though i know i could like i can leave work and still make it i'm like am i gonna make it today right. but man it just uh man like god just wrecked me one day yeah and ever since then it's just been amazing you know, yeah. I remember that day. I remember um, when you came into the stands, we were sitting with Andrea, and um, you came up, and I thought, oh, boy, I, I know what's going on here. I just knew <laughs> you could just see the look on your eyes and stuff. And, and because I walked in those shoes, I knew yeah. exactly what he was going through. And then, you know, fast forward all these years, and here we are. Yeah. God's good, man. It has, there has to be a God. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> if you remember, I was quiet. Yeah. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And then... To do this. Here we like, are. Here man. we are talking, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, crazy, man. Like, dude. yeah, this is God for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, so how long did you go to tech? Um, I went off and on to tech for about um, three years. Um, mm. I, between the time that I was a freshman and when um, I ended up leaving tech, um, I'd gotten married. Um, Daphne was a tech student also. We met at church. And um, so we went to, t- to tech together for like two semesters, I believe, or one semester, I'm sorry. And um, I was a psychology major. Um, I actually wanted to go into um, Christian counseling at mm. that time. And, um, and what really kind of pushed me to Bible school is, um, you know, the, not to take away from any of the universities or anything, but for me, I had a call in my life for ministry. And universities have gotten, for me personally, it gotten real liberal mm. in a lot of their, their um, mentalities that they had. And for me personally, I wasn't going that direction. Yeah. Um, since then, I, I have. I've, I've gotten um, you know, a master's degree in, in theology and things like that. So I firmly believe in universities and, and collegiate um, education. Um, but that's when I, I really I found um, my call at Texas Tech, if you want to say. I knew that I was going to be in the ministry. But um, going through the different classes at, at Tech and, and learning different things about psychology and and uh, family and all that. I just like, man, there's there's something more than just a degree mm-hmm. that God has for me. Yeah. And um, and so that's when I went to Bible school and Bible pursued school. that. Yeah. Hey, uh, tell us how you met Miss Daphne. Oh Lord, you you gonna do that too? <laughs> yeah, I want to know the story. <laughs> I mean, we might have to edit this. <laughs> well, um, like I said, we met at church, and um, of course, I was ushering at church at the time. I just rededicated my life to the Lord, and. 
Um, the safest place that I felt was uh, felt safe at was at church. And so, man, I got involved in everything. Um, you know, I was the youngest guy there because it was a church that predominantly had older people. So I, mm. I didn't have a whole lot of friends, but I knew that I didn't want to go back out into the world. I didn't feel safe out there. Um, so, man, I just plugged in and was ushering and, and um, helping out in any way I could. You know, did church maintenance and all mm. of that. Um, and one service, man, I saw this beautiful blonde walk into church. And um, I said, Lord, you, man, you're doing good. <laughs> kind of and then I stopped and I said, hold up, man, I'm here for Jesus. You know, I'm here for God kind of thing. And um, and I kept on looking over at her, you know, and all that. And then I said, no, i got to pray. i got to be spiritual. I'm in church. I'm not here, to that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. um, come to find out that, that that blonde, she was a sister to one of my good friends in the youth group, um, in the college group. And, um, and so... Dane's her brother's name and Dane and me were just talking one time and um Dane said well you want to meet my sister and I was like no I'm good I'm good you know it's one of those things but of course in, inside of you like yes 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 you know but like no I'm good you're acting all cool like no I'm good you know kind of thing and he said well hey um you know my my girlfriend's roommates with her and I'm like oh really I didn't even know that and um, so he said, well, don't we go out on, on a date after church one, one time? I was like, absolutely, let's do it. And he said, well, let's all go play golf because she played golf at Leveland. Mm. And um, so she's supposed to, supposed to be a real good golf player. So I was like, yeah, I accept the challenge. I love, I love that challenge, man. Come on, let's go. And uh, so came over to – we had a, a rental house. Um, we called it in the tech ghetto um there and um yeah and we had a, a rottweiler as our alarm system mm. and um so yeah that was awesome <laughs> um his name was bubba so anyways shout out to bubba he's in heaven right now but anyways um so she comes over and we all get in the car and we go to the golf course and um i kind of seen her and kind of briefly talked to her before but we hit it off right off the bat we're just I mean, real talkative wasn't hard to talk to her she didn't feel hard to talk with me we get on the golf course and of course, you know, I'm being being a gentleman. I let her hit hit first, and the first couple times she did good. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a game today, you know, kind of thing. And um, we got around to like the second or third hole, and um, it was like a par four. And she got up and she just, I mean, duffed that that drive, and it went off. She she uh, sliced it. It went off to the side, and she cussed that ball all the way down the side of the of the fairway. And I thought, what did I just get myself into? And um, and she knew how to cuss it. It was one of those things that, you know, it wasn't like she was trying to cuss. She knew how to cuss that ball. Um, and so I thought, I don't want to do any of this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm getting away from all of that. And um, and come to find out, you know, as we went through the, the whole game that day, that, the whole golf game there, um, you know, I saw something inside of her that kept drawing me to her. And it was that she was trying her best to not act that way. She knew that it was wrong, and she she would admit, "Hey, I shouldn't say that. I'm trying to be a Christian. I don't want to." So she was quick to repent on those kind of things, and that actually is what drew me to her even more. That she was she recognized when she was wrong, and she admitted to it mm-hmm. instead of just covering it up yeah. and being fake about it. And so that's one of the things that, of course, you guys know my wife. She's not fake about anything, yeah. and um, and I love that about her. Um, and she's real as can be, and that's what really drew me to her, even though she should cuss like a sailor at that time. Um, um, but this was before she was saved. She actually, she was trying to be a Christian, but she hadn't ever really accepted Christ as her personal Savior. And then after that golf match, it was a couple weeks later, um, her testimony is, is that she really felt 
that she needed to be saved. She never accepted Jesus as a personal savior. So she came down to the altar call. Mm. And um, because the way the pastor did at that time, he'd ask people if they want to become members of the church, come on down. And then they would take them into a separate room and lead them to the Lord and all that. Well, my dad is the pastor, associate pastor of the church. So guess who led them into that room? My dad. And so my dad actually led my wife, you know, Miss Daphne, to the Lord. And um, that was before we even got married and really started dating seriously. Mm. So yeah, man, that's God knew what He was (laughs) doing, man. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, Miss Daphne is man. She's amazing, and she is an amazing author as well. Mm -hmm. Man, she's done an amazing job at that. Like, I know her first book that I read. Man, wrecked me. Yeah, totally wrecked me. Um, Your first year of marriage. Mm -hmm. How was that? Like, what age did you get married? Um, See, we were. I was 20, she just turned 21, mm. and, um, and it was, we only, we only dated for like six months, and then we got married. Oh, wow. And um, that was interesting. Um, I didn't even really know myself, never let, you know, even trying to even figure out Daphne, you know, and, and yeah. um, that whole situation, she was trying to figure out herself. So that first year of marriage was very, very difficult. Oh, um, in fact, there's many times that we both wanted just to give up. You know, mm-hmm. but I was raised that, you know, divorce is not an option. You work through it. Um, of course, her side of the family, you know, her her dad um, had been divorced twice and was on working on his third marriage, was dating somebody that now is his wife now. And um, her mom had been divorced three times. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her, when an argument happened, just because she was around that, she had to raise herself because her parents were not in the picture a whole lot. She would just jet. She would just quit, you know, kind of thing. Um, and say, we'll just get a divorce kind of thing. And of course me, you know, I wasn't raised that way. Yeah. And I'd always say, if you want a divorce, you get, you lawyer up. I'm not going to, you'll have to answer to God for that. And, um, because I don't believe in divorce and that would shake her up. And then mm-hmm. of course, you know, we started working on our marriage after that first year and we learned this about our marriage. I can't change her. She couldn't change me, but I had to work on me. Yeah. And the moment that I started working on being the best husband and eventually being the best dad, and her being the best wife and the best mom, then we found out that the arguing and the fighting and the strife went away because we worked on ourselves instead of trying to change each other. Yeah, oh, man. and um, that's huge. We still do that. You know, you know, we're all human. We all have disagreements. And me and me and my wife, we are strong-willed people. Um, we can be very opinionated about things. But we've learned over almost 30 years of being married, most of the times that we're disagreeing on things, it doesn't really matter in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you get through the arguments, like, why do we even go there? <laughs> yeah. But for me, because we're, I'm competitive and I want to win, and um, she doesn't like to lose either, so that's a dangerous combination mm-hmm. there. So, But we just learned you know, that it's not really worth it. Yeah. You know, it's not worth going through the strife. And then plus, when you start having kids and the kids are watching this, you know, that's the last thing we wanted to do is ever, you know, present something that we love God. We go to church, we're Christians, and then we are fighting like cats and dogs. And then our kids see that. So they see two different things. So we really, as our kids grew, we really worked on our relationship that much more mm. because we didn't want our kids to go through what we were going through in our marriage. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I can definitely tell that where Ben, Pastor Ben, gets his competitiveness from. I guess it's from both of y'all. <laughs> yeah, both of us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, man, yeah, he's very competitive. Oh, man, so is Chris, though. Yeah, yeah. man, I, yeah. we don't even, when it comes to basketball games and stuff like that, we don't even stay in the same room together. I mean, I'm a LeBron James fan, um, and they just don't like LeBron um, at all. But, you know, 
He's the king, so I just just <laughs> I was just saying it's bad in it. Oh, so you would say you would say LeBron over Jordan? Oh, here we go, man. I just no, I I grew up with Jordan. I mean, I had Jordan shoes in high school. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, you had to open up a can of right there, man. Look, I love both of them. I just leave it like that. I don't want to create any more enemies, but yeah. yeah. Um. So, um, did y'all have Pastor Ben before you went to uh, Rainbow? Yeah, we did actually. Um. Was we um, we actually Daphne was pregnant when we got married, um, oh, which was okay. a big to do in church. Yeah, you know, preacher's kid getting you know someone pregnant. You so know, how how, how did your parents react to that? Not good at first. Not good at all. Um, my dad already knew because he's so he's so um, in tune with the spirit. He oh, kind of yeah. already knew. Um, so we when we went to them and shared that with them, of course it wasn't good. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have to say anything. My dad already knew. He just said, this is what's, why y'all meet with us. And um, Daphne's side, they were a little bit more open to it because just, you know, her family dynamic on that side. But on our side, it wasn't um, very good at first. Um, that's why God is so amazing that he still restores things. Oh, yeah. Um, and me and Daphne both made the decision that um, we loved each other and that we were going to make our marriage work and we were going to raise our son mm. and we didn't know at that time it was going to be a son but um thankful that it was and um but yeah so we we were kind of the black sheep in the church and everything um but we got to that place where we didn't really care what people thought we were there for god yeah um and sure it was a sin what we did but we repented and didn't didn't go back that way ever again until after we got married and um and so yeah, absolutely, man. It was a, a challenging time. Mm. I have a lot of compassion for people that are are considered an outcast by the church because mm. I was one of those. Yeah. Um, and so for me as a pastor, I, I have a hard time with with religious people coming down on people because they're not perfect mm. um, or what they perceive should be perfection. No, oh, yeah. Um, because everybody's got skeletons in the closet. And yep. um, we're the last ones to be judging other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so my whole view of church and, and people coming to church is simply just come as you are, but get ready. Don't stay that way because God doesn't want you to stay that way. Yeah. God wants yeah. you to grow. God wants you to get those skeletons out of the closet, get healed of things. Mm-hmm. So ab- absolutely. So as me and Daphne are learning how to be married, we were also raising a child. Um, and then Ben went with us to Rama, um to our Bible school. He was about three or four years old, and um, so Ben's been with us the whole the whole way. So he had to grow up fast. He yeah. had to be mature, and um, God put that that grace in him to be mature. He's way more mature than his age is, mm. um, and some of that is because of how me and Daphne raised him. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, when you found out that it was a boy, mm-hmm. what was your reaction? Um, did, course, you, did you want a boy or did, or did you did, want a girl? I did. You know, I, of course I would take whatever God gave us. You yeah. Know? Um, and I, sure, I would like to have a girl too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but God knew when to have the girl. Mm. Um, I was raised with obviously a little brother and on my side of the family is all boys. Mm. So I wasn't really nervous about having a boy because we all had boys. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, all right, cool, boy. All right, I get to you know teach him how to play sports. I get to you know be a man and show him how to do things and all that. And um, But to have a girl for the first time off would have like majorly thrown me for a loop because I had no idea <laughs> how to raise a kid, first of all. And then to have a girl 
whoa, mm-hmm. that that would wow. I'm so glad God knew what He was doing when He gave gave us Ben. Yeah. Sure. What was one of the struggles that you had um, when y'all had Ben? Like, um, when did y'all when did y'all move to Tulsa? Um, we moved when he was about three years old, so that would be. We moved in 93, 1993. And you had, did you know anybody over there in Tulsa? Knew nobody in Tulsa. So what was the struggle that was over there? One of the biggest struggles that you had, you um, overcame? For, yeah, for dad, um, was providing for a family. Mm. Knowing that God had called me to Bible school and knowing I had a job lined up when I, I worked in orthotics and prosthetics, which that is uh, like knee braces, building braces for people and stuff that can't, you know, walk very well. And so I had a job lined up, and it was a great paying job in the medical field, and um, looked forward to it. So I get there, and I walk into this place where they kind of promised me a job, and they told me that they found somebody else. Mm. And so that was just like heart-wrenching, because I, I bring my wife and my son. Yeah. We're going to Bible school, and, you know, my goodness, how are we going to provide, and all that kind of stuff. But God supernaturally, um, remember there was people in the church that we were at before we moved to Tulsa that sent us you know, money in the mm. mail. And man, thank God for that because that helped us through the first couple months till we got settled. And then God supernaturally had led me to, um, well, it was, it was um, God used my brother-in-law, which was Dane's, you know, which was Daphne's brother, Dane. Um, he worked at the airport as a shuttle bus driver. And he said, hey man, if you can't find anything, just come on out, you know, I'll get you a job. And um, I was at the end of my rope. I tried everything because I didn't think a shuttle bus driver, you ain't going to make any money. I got to provide, you know, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. And um, so I said, I got to have, I got to do something. I got to, you know, I got mouths to feed. So I just went ahead and said, all right, let's do it. And come to find out that that job paid more than the job that I had in Lubbock. Oh, wow. And um, through the tips and the hours that they gave me, and I was a shift leader and all that. So God knew what he was doing the whole time. Mm. And then plus, I worked with other Bible school students too. Yeah. So it made it a whole lot easier. Yeah, um, to go to Bible school too. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I remember even hearing. I think Daphne would talk about it. How y'all would um, just eat. Maybe y'all just had some canned food. Or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I remember her hamburger story. helper, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we had hamburger helper like you not believe me. In fact, I can't remember the last time I had hamburger helper because we were done. We moved. We moved back to Texas. We had some, I and mean, we had tuna helper, hamburger helper. We had every kind of helper that we we could have, man, because yeah. that's all we could afford at that yeah. time, you know. And um, and grateful for it, but man, you know, um, we learned a lot during that that season. We were there from, you know, like I said, the end of '93 all the way through '96, and um, learned a lot about us. Learned a lot more about God. Learned about the Metroplex areas. Mm-hmm. You know, Tulsa is huge compared to Lubbock. And um, loved the big city life, always something to do. Um, but then I knew that God was calling us back. But it was a very, we, we had one car. She worked at a real estate company. Um, I worked a graveyard shift. So I'd go to work about 6, 7 o'clock and work all night, get off. Because I was a shift leader, I'd get off about 7 o'clock in the morning and then come home, change. And at that time, the dress code for Bible school was a full suit, suit tie and everything. Oh, wow. So I'd take a shower, get, a, get my tie on, and go to Bible school, not even rest, and go till lunch. And, um, and then I'd come home, and that's whenever it was my turn to watch Ben. Mm. And so that was nap time for Ben. So I would take a nap with Ben, and that's when I would get my sleep. And for those three or four hours, and I did that for, for about a year and a half, almost oh, wow. two years. And so... Um, there was a grace on it. God helped me through it. I didn't sleep during class. I was so hungry for God. Yeah. 
Um, and I just, I just wanted more of God. So even though I worked all night long, I so look forward to going to school and learning. Mm. Um, and I couldn't understand why there was other students falling asleep. I'm like, y'all, y'all got a full night's sleep and you're still sleeping in class. <laughs> I didn't even sleep. That's not hard <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. uh, kind of thing. But you know, there was a grace on me at yeah. that time. For sure. Oh yeah. Um, when you went to Rama, did you, um, was pastor already something that you've always wanted to yeah, do yeah absolutely at the age of eight that's whenever i knew i was going to be a pastor no. um I, again i was at trinity church in a church service and i saw my dad he was a deacon at the church at that time and i saw my dad there was a certain time during during the service that the that people would get prayed for there was altars down in front of the the um, stage there and mm. people would come down and the deacons of the church would stand behind the altar and pray for people and um and I watched my dad go down one time, and he began to pray with people. And I was just so proud. That's my dad. He's praying for people kind of thing. And um, after that prayer time was over, my dad was walking back, and the pastor got up and was making that transition into the offering. And that's when I heard the Lord say, Todd, that's what you're going to be doing is that you're going to be preaching one day. And nice. I just I freaked out. I was like, do what? And I knew it was God. But I just kind of was like, no, Lord, I can't talk in front of people, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> and all of that. So, yeah, that's when I knew. I was eight years old when I knew I'd be a pastor. Wow. Man, that's that's awesome. Eight ran years old. It, man, ran from it. Didn't want to do it, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But God knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, when y'all when y'all left Hostel, where did y'all go from there? Uh, I was an intern at Church in Rock in Lubbock mm. um, under Jackie White. And um, he had asked uh, me to come back and um, help him out with some of the pastoral stuff that he needed done as a pastor intern. And um, I started a college group ministry called Zoe. And um, we started with like four kids, four students, and we ended up with like, you know, 40 or 50, you know, students there in about a year and a half, two years. And um, that was a great experience. I was just on fire for God. When you come out of Bible school, man, you're ready to take on the world, you know? And, um, and still had that fire in me, but um, man, I just, I, the church at that time didn't have a place for the college ministry. I was just starting it up. And uh, so I had to clean out a closet in the church. And, um, and that's where we had our, like our Sunday school class for the college students. Mm. And um, obviously they got so big that we had to move upstairs in an attic. So we, we cleaned out the attic and built a, moved the air conditioning vents up there. And that's where we had our college group and it grew from there. Started on praise and worship team. Started having, uh, that's whenever the coffee house music started really coming in strong in Lubbock. So we did a lot of coffee house ministry and stuff like that. Oh, nice. And um, that's what really grew our our uh, college ministry. Nice. And um, even back then, did you sing back then? I did. Um, I was in a Christian heavy metal band. There you um, go. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, that's where Ben gets his double <laughs> bass. Um, his drums yeah. is epic. Um, we were, um, I, whenever... I was at Church Rock right before we went to Rama. Um, um, I've always loved music, but I was always the timid one that I would never sing in front of everybody or anything like mm. that. But I just love music. I had music on all the time. And um, I had led this guy to the Lord um, after one service, and he had real long blonde hair, just real long. He was a rocker guy. Um, God radically saved him and led him to the Lord. And he said, Hey, dude, why don't you come out and listen to us play? And, um, and at that time, they were transitioning out of secular rock into Christian rock because mm. the lead guitarist was just got saved in another church. Gotcha. So I came out there in and, and, um, and their little shop garage that was padded with uh, mattresses around the walls because it was so loud. And I uh, walked in there and uh, smelled like B.O. <laughs> because the band, you know you're a rocker, man. You don't care what you smell like. And uh, we go, I go in there and I introduce myself. Everybody, you know, hey, what's up, dude? And so they started playing. And... Their um, singer had just quit because he was going to go to college or something. 
And they said, hey, man, do you sing? And I'm like, well, maybe. And I said, you guys, just turn it up real loud. And so they gave me the music to their songs, and I just started singing. And next thing you know, you know, we're looking at recording stuff and traveling and doing a lot of youth groups. And so I was in that Christian heavy metal scene for, for many years after that and loved it. Yeah. Um, loved to sing. I loved the rawness of, of being around not just church people, but people that, that are coming out of the world, mm. um, people that are just at that stage in their life to where they're just starting to experience Christ for the first time. Yeah. Um, and they haven't been um, over-religious, religified, if you call that a word, you know, being in church for so long, they lose that genuineness mm-hmm. as a Christian. Um, so, yeah, man, we did a lot of cool stuff, man. We had opened up for bands and bars and stuff as a Christian band, and um, nice. we'd open up, and, um, and um, we would share Christ at bars in Lubbock and stuff, and um, which was awesome. I loved it, man. <laughs> I miss those days, actually, man. I miss going into a bar and, um, you know, 6, 7 o'clock in, at night before all the good bands come out, you would say, and, and uh, just, man, share Christ. Yeah. Do a couple of our, our, our cover songs and then share Christ and then turn it over to all the guys that are already pretty much drunk playing Death Leopard and, and Guns N' Roses and yeah. stuff and not even sounding anything like them. <laughs> 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 kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. What was the name of your band? Uh, Once Dust. Once Dust. Yeah. How did y'all get that name? Um, the electric guitar player came up with that. Um, and yeah, he just was sitting around playing. He said, hey man, we got to have a name for our band now. And I'm like, cool, well, y'all come up with it. I'm good, you know. Once Dust, man, that sounds good. Let's rock it, man, kind of thing. And so this is how bad it was. We had a bass player that was bald. And um, he, you know, when you're in rock, you, you bald is not good back in the 80s. You had to have long hair and all that kind of stuff. And so he got hair replacement surgery done. He saved all his money to where he could get like hair. Oh wow! <laughs> and he did, and it. But it looked so fake. It looked so bad, <laughs> and um, it was sad. Um, but he was an excellent bass player, amazing bass player. But man, he just always had that that you never talked about his hair because mm. he would go off on you because he's like, I spent thousands of dollars on my hair. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's not even your hair. Yeah. It's put in your head, <laughs> kind of thing. So. Was your uh, was your family like your dad and your mom excited for you to come back to love with? Absolutely. In fact, um, there was it was a great transition because you know obviously it was kind of hard at first, mm-hmm. um, but my mom and dad had um, seen the growth in me and Daphne's life spiritually, and um, in fact it was so funny. Me and my wife we were talking about it today. We we were having a, a meeting with our staff at the church, and um, she had actually talked about. In our church, we're making a transition to where before service starts, we're going to have more prayer before service starts mm. corporately. And um, what we had done before in the past is that we put these screens up um, that would rotate in our in our church service and help people what to pray for, like missionaries and things like that. And one of the pictures that came up was me and Daphne, you know, pray for your pastors. And my mom had come to one of those services with my dad, and my mom looked over to Daphne and said, looked at the picture that was on the screen and said, Daphne, that's the girl that we've been praying for. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, at that time, it wasn't. Yeah. But it was just a whole lot of drama that was going on at that time. But to see how God worked in my family um, after everything that happened previously when we moved back and how God just supernaturally restored things mm-hmm. um, is, is a very powerful testimony to yeah. how amazing God is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what about the relationship with your brother? Have you always had a pretty strong relationship? I've always had a great relationship with my brother. Um, he actually worked church maintenance with me, um, and we would we had the best relationship. Um, he went on into uh, counseling uh, mm-hmm. side of things. So he's actually um, 
a, um, a counselor in the jail system oh, uh, in the state of Texas. And so he, um, he uh, counsels inmates as well as other counselors now. Nice. Um, so he's, you know, he's a, he's a, in fact, gosh, was about four or five weeks ago, we went fishing together with his son, mm. my nephew, and we're very competitive. And so um, got to tell a fish story. Um, so we're out there fishing and, um, and just had the best time. And he's at the back of the boat. I'm at the front of the boat. And um, we're trolling around. And his son just catches a nice-sized bass, puts it back in, you know. And, man, I hammer one. And, I mean, and I'm reeling it in. And, I mean, the mouth comes up out of the water. And it's a big old mouth. In fact, his, you know, my nephew says, that's a big bass. And I said, yeah. And I was about to flip it in the boat, and it flips off. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And this is my little brother. He said, should have set the hook, Todd. <laughs> Just like that. I'm like, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Love you. I'm about to push you out of this boat. <laughs> kind of thing. So we had the best relationship. Yeah. Um, we don't talk. I wish we would talk more. I mean, mm-hmm. we text and stuff, but uh, we would see each other at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But he's, he's got a family now. Yeah. Um, and all of that. So we, we endeavor to do our best to, to meet and hook up and stuff like that. So, yeah, gotcha. we have the best relationship. He was my best man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely, man. We have a great relationship. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. Um, I know Pastor Bracken, I guess, is mm-hmm. your pastor. Absolutely. When did when did you uh, transition to his church? And when we graduated, sort of yeah, when we graduated from Rama, um, we came back to Church on the Rock, and I was an intern there for. Um, I committed to one year of internship, and I looked at um, underneath uh, Pastor Jackie's ministry, eventually starting another Church on the Rocks, and mm. going doing that. And the timing for that, the church at that time just wasn't, it wasn't timing. It wasn't the right timing yet. Yeah. And um, so I committed to another year just to be there because I love, I still do love Pastor Jack. He's doing an amazing job there in, in Lubbock um, with the, all the Church of Rocks campuses and everything. And um, so honored to be even a part of the ministry for that short period of time. And um, so God had just really started working on my heart about, you know, really pursuing like more pastoral ministry. Mm. And so Pastor Jackie actually had Pastor Bracken come and do a men's breakfast and um, and just minister to the men. And um, I just graduated from Ramah. So when Pastor Bracken came in and started ministering to the men, I was like, oh, my gosh, I, this guy, I, he's, he's, he's full of vision. I love what God's doing. And immediately God had told me. And just out of the blue, he just said, "You're gonna. That's gonna be your pastor." Mm. And I, it shocked me at first. I'm like, "What? I already got a pastor. I'm already. Start, I'm on staff in another church, kind of thing." Yeah. And so I just, I just kind of put it on the shelf, kind of thing. You know, it's God, but I, God had to work it out. And then over time, God had started reminding me of that. So I went to Pastor Jackie about it, even, and he said, "Man, if God's telling you to do that, then uh, I release you and and." Do whatever you need to do and follow God on that. And it was the best. Pastor Jackie has the utmost integrity mm. about that. And he had, he's got so much love. And he just released me and Daphne to go and do what God said to do. And so we went. We started going. At that time, it was called Church on the Go. Um, now it's Harvest Church. And we just went in with the whole, and, and not knowing that we'd end up, you know, pastoring here at Seminole. We just went in just wanting to serve. Yeah. And so, again, started ushering and just, man, whatever Pastor Bracken needed me to do, I was there to serve. No no strings attached. Didn't have any kind of preconceived idea. I was just, I wanted to serve. Mm-hmm. And um, and then just fast forward, you know, about a year or so, Daphne became the secretary of the church. And um, we started, our, the Harvest Church started the church here in Seminole. There's now Transformation Church. And, um, and I was a part of that team that helped start the church here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the whole time I was thinking, God, you're going to send me to the big city, the Metroplex area, and start a yeah. big 5,000-member church and everything. That's kind of what I thought. 
And, um, and then when God said, you know, it's time to go to Seminole, there's a position open. And I was like, all right, God, let's do it. You know, and so fast forward over 20 years now, here we are. Oh, yeah. And I'm so grateful that God said, go to Seminole. Um, we've raised all three of our kids here. Um, Seminole's amazing. Um, it's an amazing community to, to raise your kids in. And just the spiritual atmosphere here is amazing. You know, every community's got its stuff. It's mm-hmm. got its things. Um, but for me, this is this is home now. Yeah. You know, even though I graduated from Cooper High School, um, I've got I've got a lot of Indian blood in me now. You know, so because <laughs> yeah, just yeah. this community, I love Seminole. I love Gaines mm-hmm. County. I love all the surrounding areas. And even when we, I just got back from Burma um, a couple of weeks ago, which is ten thousand miles on the other side of the earth. And one of the things when I hit Texas. Um, in Dallas, I came out of the plane singing, I was born in the USA, you know, I'm so thankful. Yeah. And then being able to drive from Lubbock from the airport to Seminole and just seeing the flat lands here, it's home, mm. you know, it's home. Yeah. Have I desired to move other places? Absolutely. Especially when things aren't going right. You want to, you know, it's like, oh, I'm out of here, you know, who needs yeah. Seminole anymore? But whenever God says that's home, you mm. know, you just stick, you stick it, stick yeah. with it, you know. Oh, yeah. What was one of the biggest struggles you had as uh, being a pastor? Like your first year being a pastor? My first year, um, I was 29 years old, 30 years old, and there was already a leadership team that was established in the church mm. um, because the pastor that was there, he had only been there for like 10 years, or not 10 years, for 10 months. And um, his wife had just passed away of breast cancer. And um, so he resigned his position because it was just so difficult through that yeah. transition of you know, your wife was with you in ministry and everything. And so he had moved to Dallas. And um, the position opened up for us, which we knew that we were supposed to be here. Seminole God has specifically told us to. And so that first year, because there was already a leadership team established, and they really kind of wanted to take over the church in mm-hmm. a sense because, you know, there was a gap that needed to be filled. Yeah. And um, so when a 29-year-old kid comes in, you know, and and um, that was a hard transition at first because they had to, you know, accept me as a pastor in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then I had to accept the leadership team that was already there. Uh, I was wise enough because I was raised in church not to go in and change everything. Um, I just spent the next couple of years just earning their respect. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to come in and try to make all kinds of big changes or anything like that. You know, so there was like 40 people in the first service that I preached at. And then the next service, there was like 100. You know, because everybody's checking out that young kid that came from Lubbock, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then after about a month of having 100, I thought I was like, God, you're good. 100 people, glory. <laughs> you know, they liked me. Yeah. And then after that, the numbers went back down to 40. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I was like, oh, what did I have? You know, what happened here? So I think that was our first, you know, big hurdle that first year to two to three years is just working with the leadership that was already established. Yeah. Letting them know that I'm not here to take anything from them. And um, I'm just here to add what was already established. And then knowing that God had given me vision for the community and for our church. Mm-hmm. And then working with, you know, establishing that vision with the people that were already there. Yeah. No, I, I know when we went, when we started going, I think Drea started going before me. I think mm-hmm. I started going in 07. Mm-hmm. But then I, I got saved in 08, May of 08. Mm-hmm. It was Dr. Jack Myers was yeah. there. You know, you and him have a pretty good relationship. Did you, I guess you met him at Rama as well. Yeah, well, actually, um, we he graduated a year after I did, but I'd never met him at Rama. Where we oh. met was, yeah, it was at a conference in Chicago. Mm. And um, crazy. Um, you know, of course, Chicago was just crazy anyways, and the, the ministry there was amazing, but it's just a different culture for you know, West oh, Texas yeah. Chicago. And um, love the pizza there. Um, but <laughs> the, the people are different and everything. So we were... Um, 
I believe it was Joyce Myers that just ministered in. Um, all the pastors went um, to um, an area after service and was, you know, talking with Joyce Myers and other people. Um, and Dr. Jack was kind of standing off to the side, and um, he just walked up to me because we have uh, the same school ring. Mm. And he, he made a comment and he said, hey, man, you went to Raymond? I said, yeah. And he said, I have that same ring as you. And that's kind of how it opened up the conversation. But as a pastor, you're like, okay, he's an evangelist. He's just trying to plug me to get him to come to church, you know, preach in my church. So I just avoided him because mm. I could tell he's just trying to get a place to preach. And um, and then really come to find out now, that's not what was his attention at all. But that's what I thought. Yeah. So and I'm so thankful for Dr. Jack because he kept on pursuing me and a, and a friendship before he wanted to come and preach in the church. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's how we met. We met in Chicago at a conference. And, um, you know, that was, goodness, almost 15 years ago now. Oh, wow. And um, so, yeah, you know, you can have a lot of friends, and it's good to have a lot of friends, but all you need is a couple good best friends. Yes, sir. Oh, that'll yeah. be with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And he's one of those that'll be with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, we're total opposites in a lot of areas, um, but we have a heart for souls. We want to see people saved. Um, we want to see the move of God take place, but how he does it and how I do it's different. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but that's what makes us, that's how iron, iron sharpens iron. That's what makes us, you know, so good together is because we are different. Yes, sir. No, I, I agree with, you know, having just a couple of guys around, you know, also because you can be real with each other, Absolutely. you know, there's no offense and they know like, Hey, whatever we say, like, this is just Absolutely. encouraging to sharpen. That, that's all it is. No offense taken. But. Totally. And I think with a friendship like that, there's that trust that's built. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. That, that is, is priceless. Mm -hmm. You know, after years of having a friendship that close, there's, there's certain things that I trust. And yeah. And trust in me. And, um, and that's, you can't put a price tag on that. Mm -mm. You know, so. Absolutely no, not at all. Man, um, I don't know. I was just thinking back, you're talking about the church and just thinking about when I first met you until now, mm. um, start off in that small building, yeah. <laughs> which, which was after that a children's building, yep. and then now this big old building, yeah. and then now you have a, a new church building, right? Yeah, you know, right. for the for the kids, and it's it's amazing to see what God is doing there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know when we when I first started, I, I think. Some people would say, oh, you don't want to go to that church. You know, there's a lot of crazy people. There's a lot of crazy... They're charming snakes out there, man. <laughs> exactly. That's, yes. Yes. But, man, but to experience it, you know, firsthand, to experience God and His Amen. love there is just, Amen. like, this is real. Like, there's there's nothing fake about this place. Like, this Amen. is real. And, um, man, like, it, I'm inviting everybody. Amen. If Sundays, 1030 a.m., you know, if you don't have a church home, even if you do, if you just want to go visit 1030 Sundays and on Wednesdays at seven o'clock, you know, they're, they're always there, man. The doors are always open. Absolutely. I know that for sure. Um, but I, I wanted to talk to you too about your experience going, your, your last mission. Or I don't even know if it was a mission trip, but I know yeah. you just, uh, you traveled. Yeah, to we just um, went to Burma, which is uh, Myanmar, which is in between Thailand, India, and China. Oh, yeah. That area over there, and like I said, it's like it's ten thousand ten thousand miles on the other side of the planet. Um, one of the flights that we took to go over there was fourteen hours mm. just to get over there. Yeah. And, um, and then I think it the total amount of time from the time that we left Seminole to get to a little village up in the mountains called Tadim uh, um, was like almost three days to get oh, there. Wow. Dang. Um, yeah, it was a long wait. 
And, um, but it was so worth it because when we got into the mountains there, of course, it's beautiful there. And um, thank God for, for the Baptists because they had sent missionaries in the late 1800s to that community. And, and this was before airplanes, before any of that. So there was one missionary specifically that went there, literally gave up his, his life here in the States mm. to go to that community. There's about 20,000 people there. Um, and he lived, I mean, with them, didn't even know the language, took three months on a boat to get there. And, wow. um, and just literally him and his wife just laid down their lives for the gospel and um, just started just working with the people there. It's a predominantly Buddhist community. Mm. And um, so they didn't really get anybody like born again, saved, except in Christ for several years. It was like one or two people got saved. For them to stay there for, I think, for like 30 years, you know, and just plugging at it, just just going and just witnessing to people. He was um, the first person in that whole region that translated the whole Holy Bible from English into their native language. So he had to learn their language first wow. and then spend the years translating the Bible to where they could even read the Bible. Wow. So... For me to even go and to walk in the same places that that missionary walked and to minister to the, some, some of the same generational people that have been in that community, mm-hmm. it was an honor for me. Yeah. There was another Baptist missionary that came later on after World War II because um, the country had been predominantly communism until yeah. um, like 2015. And so they just came out of communism, and they're they're more of a dem, you know like a country like ours, a democratic company, uh, country. And um, so I got to go into the missionary's house that he hand built in the 1940s. Oh wow! And um, the house has not changed. Dang! It's, it hasn't been remodeled or anything. So it's like the original first barn house, you know, mm, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so we walked in, and um, the the associate pastor that was living there just showed us. We, he actually showed me the bed that him and his wife stayed in, and all that's still there from the 1940s. Oh wow, man! And um, it's amazing. So that kind of stuff, as a preacher, that blesses my heart because yeah. it's like, man, there's guys that have plowed this field before we even got there, and mm-hmm. we get to see the fruit of their labor now. Yeah. Um, and I got to sit down in his his chair that he prayed in. That he he developed messages. He just spent time, and that was for me was just almost like life altering to sit in the very chair that this missionary spent forty, fifty years of his life, you know, spreading the gospel in that whole region, mm. and um, gave up his life here in the United States to go there and spread the gospel, and to sit in the very chair that he sat in, studied, prayed, met with people with, and it's the same exact chair. And to put my hands where he put his hands, yeah. was just, it was altered. In fact, my, my son, Pastor Chris, he was there with us, and he took a picture of it. And um, I didn't know he was taking a picture of it, but it was just, it was, you could tell that um, God was moving in my heart just mm. about. That's what really impresses me is people that are willing to stay. Yeah. Willing to just, when God says do something, and you stick it out. Mm-hmm. And you just stick it out, and you stick it out until God says something different. No, that's good. Yeah. Man. That's an amazing trip. Yeah. Amazing trip. Some good wisdom, too. Very good wisdom. 